here in Acts chapter 16, I, um, I feel the weight of all of the things that are going on in our world, in our community, every time that I get up to preach and I know the importance of hearing the word of God and the truth of God for our own souls. I think even this morning, for me, my soul didn't even wake up until song number three this morning. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready to hear the word of God now. And I don't know about you, even online, your soul may not be awake this morning to hear from the Lord and hear what he has to say according to his word, but I pray that you would awaken your soul to hear the truth of God, that you would place out any distractions in your mind, in your heart, what's going on in your family, what's going on in in, in the world today, and that you would hear what God has to speak through his word in this very important passage of the Macedonian call. The team of Barnabas and Paul has now become the team of Paul, Silas, and and we have, we're about to pick up Timothy. Um, this is the second missionary journey for Paul. And the first missionary journey, you remember, they go through the place of Cyprus and then Galatia. I want to show you on the screen here if you can see it. If you're online, you may have a, a better vision, a visual of it than we do here in the, in the sanctuary. But that's modern day Greece to the left. Turkey is above. You probably can't see that. If you're on the screen online, you can see that. But you can't hear, so we're going to go ahead and play that video for us. And it's going, to, um, it's going to cross over to the first century uh, vision. Don't worry, we're going to zoom in here in a minute. But this is giving you a picture. That's the Mediterranean Sea. Up north is the Black Sea. All right, so we're going to zoom in here. You may not be able to see it, but Antioch is to the right over there. Cyprus is the island. This is his first missionary journey where he goes through Galatia, which is Antioch in Pisidia, Lystra, Iconium, Derby, And that is his first missionary journey. Now we're going to hit the second missionary journey, which is the green. And he starts again in Antioch. He goes through the cities of Derby, uh, Iconium, Lystra, which is in Galatia. And he heads up north uh, towards... Asia. Now that's not the Asia that you know of, of Asia in today's world, but that's the Asia, the Roman province of Asia. And where he, he gets stopped in this passage we're about to read is he has to go south to Asia or north to Bithynia and he keep, continues on to cross over the Aegean Sea into Greece, which is what is now known as Europe. And so he crosses over the Aegean Sea into Europe, down, eventually to Athens, and over back towards Jerusalem. He goes to Ephesus before he goes towards Jerusalem. But if you can't see that now, you can go home and you can click on our Facebook and you can see it in live person. But that gives you a visual aid of what we're talking about because we're about to talk about so many places here. And if you don't have an idea of where they are in the world today, it's difficult to understand this. Now, This second missionary journey begins Paul, Silas, and picks up Timothy. And what happens on the second missionary journey is something interesting. The Spirit leads Paul. He leads him to his very next location where he will find people of peace. And we'll talk about one of those people of peace this morning. Her name is Lydia It's the story of the spirit of the living God leading God's church in the advance of the gospel to the ends of the earth. You want to be a part of that? I do. So let's talk about it. So turn with me to Acts chapter 16 verse 1 and we'll start there in Acts chapter 16. If you'll stand up we'll read God's word together. Acts chapter 16 verse numbered 1. One, Paul returns here to places he's already planted churches. Paul came also to Derby and to, to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, 
the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. And they went on their way through the cities and they delivered to them for observant of the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. And they went through the region of Phrygia, there you go, and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And then, and when they had come up to Mycenae, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mycenae, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and and following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city in the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer And we sat down and spoke to the woman who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her whole household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. The word of the Lord together this morning. You can be seated. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to bring the word of God this morning, to hear from your spirit, to convict our hearts, to lead us to where you want us to go. Father, we know that uh, in this world we will have trouble, but Christ has, has overcome the world. Lord, we thank you that um, any trouble that we face, Father, you are leading and guiding us through your spirit. Father, we pray that you would take men and women, young men and women, old men and women in this room this morning, that you would guide them and direct them to be on mission for you, to share your gospel with those who do not know, and that, Father, you would do a mighty, mighty work as a result of your people living in obedience to your call. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I don't know about you and your household, but everyone is a bit on edge right now. Uh, school has started. We, we have attempted to make one week of school at our school. Um, it is in the middle of another wave of covid Uh, There is a lot going on in our world in which we have mentioned. Um, I encourage everyone in our church to offer maybe a bit more grace than usual for one another. Um, It's a stressful time for our medical workers, our teachers, our parents, our students, our business owners, our church members, our community groups, well, uh, everybody, really. Um, and this passage this morning is all about looking outward. The man calling Paul and Silas from Macedonia and saying, Come help us. It is all about us looking outward rather than inward. Oftentimes we can be stuck in our own world that we don't even see what is going on around us. And there are people in need of help and to need to hear 
the message that brings eternal life. There's a story that happened in 2005 near Glendale, Arizona, right outside of Luke Air Force Base. Some of the residents around the base were complaining quite a bit about how loud the jets were. Um, One even wrote an open letter to the newspaper in 2005, and he wrote this. Question of the day for Luke Air Force Base. Whom do we thank for the morning air show? Last Wednesday at approximately 9.11 a.m., a tight formation of F-4 uh, four F-16 jets made a low pass over the Arrowhead Mall, continuing west over Bell Road at approximately 500 feet. Imagine our good fortune due to the Tom Cruise wannabes. Um, we needed a wake-up call, or were they just trying to impress the cashiers at Mervyn's Early Bird Special? Any response would be appreciated. The Lieutenant Colonel, Scott Pleas, published a letter in the newspaper the next day. On June 15th, at precisely 9.12 a.m., a perfectly timed four-ship of F-16s from the 63rd Fighter Squadron at Luke Air Force Base flew over the grave of Captain Jeremy Frequis. Captain Frequis was an Air Force officer who was previously stationed at Luke Air Force Base and was killed in Iraq on May 30th, Memorial Day. At 9 a.m. on June 15th, his family and friends gathered at Sunland Memorial Park in Sun City to mourn the loss of a husband, a son, and a friend. Based on the letter writer's recount of the flyby and because of the jet noise, I'm sure you didn't hear the 21-gun salute the playing of taps, or my words to the widow and the parents of Captain Frequis as I gave them their son's flag on behalf of the President of the United States and all those veterans and servicemen and women who understand the sacrifices they have endured. A four-ship flyby is a display of respect the Air Force pays to those who give their lives in defense of freedom. We are professional aviators and take our jobs seriously. And on June 15th, What the letter writer witnessed was four officers lining up to pay their ultimate respects. The letter writer asked, whom do we thank for the morning show? The 56th fighter wing will call for you and forward your thanks to the widow, the parents of the captain, Frequis, and thank them for you. For it was in their honor that my pilots flew the most honorable formation of their lives. Lieutenant Colonel Scott Pleas. Then the man who wrote the letter to the paper sincerely apologized after receiving multiple calls and letters from others. He wrote, I have received many calls from the fine airmen who are serving and having served at Luke, and I have attempted to explain my side and apologized for any discomfort my letter has caused. This was simply an uninformed citizen complaining about noise. I've been made aware in both written and verbal communication of the four-ship flyby, and my heart goes out to each and every lost servicemen and women in this war in which we are engaged. I've been called an un-American by an unknown caller, and I feel like I must address that. I served in the U.S. Navy and am a Vietnam veteran. I loved my country and respect the jobs of the service organizations or doing. Please accept my heartfelt apologies. You know, one of the saddest parts of this story was that the man was on the same team, yet he lost focus of others. He fo- his focus was on himself, He jumped to conclusions and it cost him dearly. My friends, Paul saw in this vision a man urging Paul to say, come over and help us. The call was the gospel to go to the ends of the earth. It is the call 
of the Muslim in North Africa. It is the call of the Buddhists in Thailand, the neighbor down the street, the person maybe in your row. Come and help us. You see, this, this help is an eternal help. It's not a temporary solution, but the message that brings eternal life. People are hurting, and they need the gospel all over the world. Not, are they, not only are they calling out to the people of God, they are in desperate need to hear the truth of the message of the gospel. And we must not lose sight of that in the pandemic. We must not lose sight of those outside rather than only looking inside. You see, the answer is the gospel. We see in this story this morning and the first part of Acts chapter 16 something very applicable to us today. I think we see three things that are applicable to our lives today as we advance the gospel to the ends of the earth. Number one, Paul removes the barriers of the gospel as the gospel advances. Number two, the spirit desires for the gospel to go to the ends of the earth. And number three, the Lord opens the heart for people to receive the message. It's the Lord opening the heart. So let's look at the first, first point this morning, starting in verse one. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman, who was a believer, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him. Because the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in number daily. This is point number one. It it refers back to what happened in the Jerusalem council. It's thus, remove barriers for gospel advancement. Remove barriers for gospel advancement. Two weeks ago, we talked about These barriers that needed to be removed and throughout the book of Acts all the way to the end, Paul is consistently removing barriers to the gospel. The stumbling block is the gospel. It's not the dress, it's not the moral code, it is the gospel itself. Remember, two weeks ago, we're coming off what they called the Jerusalem Council. Paul and Barnabas are fighting against Gentiles to be circumcised. There was a group there saying they need to be circumcised in order to be saved. They must obey the law. Gentiles who are outsiders, outside of the will of God, outside of the law, have to be circumcised to come inside, to be part of the church, to be saved, to receive the Holy Spirit. And Paul is arguing, no, that is not what needs to happen. At the council, they confirmed that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. We do not need the yoke to be put around the Gentile's neck that we ourselves could not bear. The issue has been settled, but now it's confusing because Paul is now circumcising young Timothy. This sounds contradictory. It's even more puzzling that in In Galatians, the book of Galatians, Paul says that he would not circumcise young Titus. Now we're talking about the law. When we're talking about circumcision, obedience to the law, the ceremonial and the sacrificial laws of the Old Testament. Galatians 2, 3 says this, even 
But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of the false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that we might bring us into slavery. To them we did not yield in submission even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. So why did he circumcise Timothy and not Titus? Why? Because in both circumstances, he wanted the gospel to move forward. To those within the church wanting to require Titus, who was a Greek, to be circumcised, would be placing a restriction upon him and others who were Greeks in being saved, that they must obey the Old Testament law. And today the church would be asking people, do you want to show your faith? And people would be going, I'm not sure. No, it is faith in Christ alone that saves. Not obedience to the Old Testament law. Christ has fulfilled the Old Testament law. So why did he circumcise Timothy? Well, Timothy is accompanying Paul on his missionary second missionary journey and Paul's custom is to go into the synagogue and preach to the Jews first in the towns where he is going um, Timothy is from a Jewish household young Timothy is raised by a Jewish mother his grandmother Lois taught him the scriptures from a very young age and young Timothy is by all circumstances, a Jew. His father is a Greek. So to win the Jews, Timothy becomes like a Jew to win the Jews. The gospel is advancing. So Paul actually gives up his freedoms to reach the lost. Or Timothy, in this case, gives up his freedoms to reach the lost. 1 Corinthians 9.20, Paul says this, To the Jews I became as a Jew. In order to win the Jews, to those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not myself being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. So why does he circumcise one and not the other? All for the sake of the gospel. So that he could reach the non-believing Jews because Timothy is obeying the law. And they know that he is a Jew. I do it all for the gospel. He is looking completely outward rather than inward. Brothers and sisters, may we look toward the man who is calling us for help. Look at verse 6. And they went through the region of, I, I can't say this very good, Phrygia. There you go. And Galatia, having been forbidden by the Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they came up from Mycenae, they attempted to go to Bithynia. Remember, Asia is south, Bithynia is north. So they have to go through, they cannot go south to Ephesus, which is in Asia. They they cannot go north to Bithynia, but they must go west. So passing by Mycenae, they, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia, who is on the other side of the Aegean Sea, which we would call Greece now, from Turkey to Greece, was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God has called us to preach the gospel 
to them. This is our second point this morning, and it says this. The Spirit desires for the gospel to go to the ends of the earth. The Spirit is leading Paul and Silas and Timothy. He knows what he is doing. No doubt Paul wanted to go to Ephesus, which is in Asia, this is not the Asia we think about when we think of Asia, but a Roman province in, called Asia Minor. We, we know that the cities in Asia Minor would eventually have churches there. They are the seven churches spoken of in Revelation. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. John would actually write the letter of Revelation to these churches. And they would be extremely important. But God had other plans at this time. The gospel was not going to these places yet. The Holy Spirit would forbid the speaking of the word in Asia. So they go north to Bithynia, which is another important place in the history of, church, of the church, as Nicaea is there. We, we, we know of the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD that brought about the Nicene Creed, settled heretical claims that Jesus is not God, Jesus is God, and was settled there in Nicaea. That happened to be Bithynia. And that's where the spirit of Jesus is not allowing Paul and Silas to go right this minute. Not to Asia, not to Bithynia, so they go west. And they, call, and they see this vision of the Macedonian man across the Aegean Sea in what we would call now Europe, calling for them to come over into Europe to the ends of the earth. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. When Paul had seen the vision immediately, we, we sought, that's Luke. This is the first time we see Luke here in, in the word we. It changes from they to we here. Luke joins them right here at Troas. We sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. God speaks through visions and dreams. He has been doing that in the Muslim world for a number of years. God is moving amongst the Muslims. They're seeing visions and dreams of Jesus and people are responding on the ground to them, declaring them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Often it, they have dreams of says, go and talk to this person or go over here. There will be a person that knows what I want to tell you. And they go and they hear the gospel and they respond. There is a genuine danger here, and I must discuss this, that people would hear their own emotions or preferences as the voice of God. Or even people would be deceived in some way by demonic spirits. No question about that. That danger is real. But it also seems to be a pattern in Scripture that God speaks in such a way that is clear to the hearers that God spoke and what God said. It was clear to Paul that they were forbidden to go to Asia. It doesn't tell us how he spoke to him or, or, or how that happened or how he knew. But it's clear to him the Holy Spirit has forbidden us to go to Asia. They were also not allowed by the Spirit of Jesus. It's interesting that Luke writes the Spirit of Jesus here, also affirming the Trinitarian concept to go to Bithynia. I'm not sure if this happens to you very often where the Spirit directs and leads you to where you should go, but it often happens to me when I am get up and I'm walking according 
to what God has called me according to his word. If he has called me according to his word to do something, may, may it be to go to the nations, or may it be to do this or to do that, to share the gospel. When I'm walking according to his word, he begins to straighten my path and he begins to direct me in the way that I should go. Proverbs 16, 9 says this, the heart of a man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. The text doesn't say why the Spirit wanted them to go to Macedonia. Why did the Spirit want them to cross over into Europe? But I believe it is because God wanted Paul to go to the ends of the earth. He did not want the gospel to just stop in Turkey. He wanted it to move to Europe and eventually to Rome and further into Spain. The gospel to the ends of the earth. The Bible Museum, it's in Washington, D.C. If you haven't had a chance to go, you should. There's an exhibit called the Illuminations Exhibit. It is a beautiful um, place in which they have Bibles all over the shelves. And so you stand in the middle and you see Bibles surrounding you 360 degrees around you. And it represents these Bibles are the different translations in the different languages around the world of the word of God translated into each language around the world. There are over 2,000 Bibles from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And and, and as you stand there, you see the work that has been put in to bring the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ to people of different tribes, tongues, and nations. And then as you stand there in the middle of the room, you come to a point where there are no longer Bibles, but there are clear books that have nothing in them. And it says these Bibles are in process. They are not completed. There are no finished work of these languages and the Bible and the work of these languages. And there are over 2,000 of these. And then you come to the last third of the room and there are 2,000 languages that have not been started. And it's overwhelming to see how many do not have the word of God in their own language. It's almost like the man in the vision calling out, come help us. You see, there are four calls for the gospel advance. There's the call from above, which we get from the Lord himself. When he says, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, and lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. The call from above. Then there's the call from below. Jesus tells the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus is a beggar. He has nothing, and he dies and goes to heaven The rich man who lived in luxury all his life is in torment and agony in hell. And he says, if Lazarus would just give me just one drop of water on my tongue. And when he realizes he cannot, you know what he says? He says, if you would just go and tell my brothers so they don't have to be with me in this torment. There is a call from above. There is a call from below. Those who have gone before and rejected the message of the gospel, God's provision for salvation. There is a call from inside. God says to Isaiah, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah from the inside says, here I am, send me. God's spirit leading you to say as Isaiah says, send me. Here I am, send me. 
There's a call from above. There is a call from below. There is a call from the inside. There is a call from the outside. This is the call from the Macedonian man on behalf of his people. Saying, bring us help. Which we know is the good news message of the gospel. Paul would bring the gospel from this continent to the next continent. The Spirit would lead him to move across the sea into Europe. To a people who have never heard it. Call from above, the call from the below, the call from the inside, and we see in this passage the call from the outside. Joshua Project is a great website. You should look at it someday. It tracks the progress of the gospel movement all over the world. You guys may have a slide up there. I don't know if you can see these numbers, but I'm putting them up there. There are 17,406 people groups all over the world. There are 7,401 people groups who are considered unreached. That means there's 2% or less evangelical Christian. That means 2% of those people groups have someone that's a a Bible-believing Christian who can tell them the gospel. That's 42.5% of the world is unreached. Okay? The population of the world is around 7.84 billion. The population of the unreached is 3.27 billion. 42% unreached. Now, it gets worse. There's something called frontier people groups. Frontier people groups are unreached people except to the extreme. They are 0.1% or fewer Christian. 0.1% or fewer Christians. No evidence of self-sustaining gospel movement. There are about 4,900 and 94 frontier people groups, a total population almost 2 billion people. 2 billion people don't have access to the gospel because they don't have neighbors or friends who believe upon Christ. One-fourth of the world And a half of these people are in 33 people groups, over 10 million in population. We are actually going to one of those people groups in two weeks, God willing, to North Africa. Afghan people is one of those people, over 10 million, that have little or no access, that are considered frontier people groups. God is calling for the church to go to the ends of the earth. God will accomplish his mission. Matthew 24, 13 says this, but the one who endures to the end will be saved and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed through the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. God's word is moving forth. His spirit is leading Christians all over the world to go across culture, across barriers, across oceans, land masses to share the gospel. As a result of going to Macedonia, Churches were started. You may have heard of some of these. Philippi, Thessalonica, Corinth. 
My question to us in this room is who is the spirit of the living God called us to bring the gospel to? One last thing. The call is to come over and when they get there, this is what happens. Verse 11. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and following up Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia and Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. This is our third point this morning. The Lord opens the heart to receive the message of the gospel. The Lord opens the heart to receive the message of the gospel. Here we see the fruit of the Spirit's leading in Paul and Silas' life. Next week we'll see two other people in which they encounter. They have gospel conversations, encounters with, the, with, with two other types of people. These three people, these are different kinds of people that the church encounters in the advancement of the gospel. Who are they? They're the seeker. Lydia. A worshiper of God. She's seeking God. She finds Christ. It's the slave. The woman who is demon, the little girl who is demon possessed. And it's the skeptic, the jailer. Lydia, she's trying to find God. The slave girl who's demon possessed and the skeptic who is the Roman jailer end up coming to Christ because of the grace that God has, the grace of Paul and Silas into this man's life. These are three types of people that the church is trying to reach. They're trying to reach the interested religious person. This is primarily what the church in America goes after. The easiest people. The invite them to church kind of people. We'd like you to come to church. Our church is nice. We'd like for you to hear the word of God preached. We'd like for you to be in our community group. But there are other two types of people that we must go after as the church. We'll talk about these people next week. But one of them is a person who is in spiritual and economic bondage. The slave girl who will not come to church if you invite her. You go to her. And the person who is skeptical of their faith, which is a Philippian jailer who's most likely a Roman soldier who is retired, who just about kills himself, and Paul saying, no, wait, wait a minute, we're all here. Even though their chains have fallen off, the walls have come down, there's no reason for them to be there. They show this man love who has tortured them in the chamber. You don't want to miss next week, okay? So here we meet Lydia. She's interested. She knows about God. She's confronted with the truth of the gospel. She believes and is baptized. But it's interesting. It says the Lord opened her heart. How does God do that? The book of Acts gives many different ways in which the Lord opens the heart. But one is... In Acts chapter 13, 48, it says they were appointed to believe. 
Paul's preaching in Antioch, Pisidia, and Gentiles rejoice as as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Another way of answering in Acts of why some people believe is that God granted repentance. Acts chapter eleven eighteen says, um, when the Gentiles, when the Jews heard that the Gentiles, not just the Jews, were responding to the gospel, they said, then the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. But even a clearer picture of how this all happens is Acts 16, 14. Why did Lydia believe? The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. So if you're a believer in Jesus, all of these things happen to you. You were appointed to believe. You were granted to repentance. And the Lord opens your heart. The rest of your life, you live in overflowing amazement and thankfulness in the miracle that you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's somewhat, sometimes, what we're missing in the Christian life. I, I deserve to be a Christian No, you deserve the wrath of God and yet God has graciously opened your heart to believe in Christ and you are saved through his grace and and thanksgiving and overflows into your life that you live in accordance with his word. Not because you deserve heaven, because you prayed a prayer or you went to church or you tithed. No, it's because God in his grace chose to open your heart to the beautiful message of the gospel. So sometimes we as the church really get uptight about sharing the gospel. We get uptight about how to share it, who to present it to, how do we do it. And we allow the the spirit of the living God to do the work. He opens the heart for those to hear. Our goal is to share it. Our goal is to open our mouth and to present it. It's not to change people. I oftentimes do this. I want to change someone. I want to share it to to which they change. No, God changes them, not me. Because God gives people new hearts. Ezekiel 36, 26. And I will give you a new heart, a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of of flesh, I will put my spirit within you, cause you to walk in my statutes, and be careful to obey my rules. This is what God does with Lydia. Paul walks up into a place of prayer and he shares the gospel and he takes the heart of stone out of Lydia. He puts a new heart that loves God and receives the message of the gospel. Why? Because Lydia is a person of peace that God has prepared for the gospel to go toward. To begin the church in Philippi. What a beautiful picture. A woman. She's rich. She's got her own business. She's a woman of means. God has appointed for her to be the person that begins to share the gospel in that city. And to begin the church in Philippi. You see, the Spirit of Christ will lead us to different people and different places to share the gospel. We all have different relationships. We all are in different places throughout our week. And yet God is directing us to people. Our prayer needs to be, Lord, lead me and guide me today. Direct my steps toward whom I should go to. Whether it be the person of means, like Lydia, who seems like she has it all together, yet she doesn't know the salvation is through Christ alone. Or the slave girl, which we'll talk about next week. Or the skeptic, the jailer. So what are we going to do about a church? 
what are we going to do when confronted with the Macedonian call? We're going to start in our own Jerusalem. We're going to build a, a little box over here that keeps track this next month. It's called Missions Month next, next month. We're going to build a box over here that keeps track of people we've invited to church, which will be Lydia's. People we've shared the gospel with. And people who are baptized. And each ping pong ball will represent a different color. And we'll put our ping pong ball in the thing. And we'll, we'll fill it up as the church during missions month. We're going to share the story of the gospel. What are we going to do to reach un, unreached places on earth? Well, Lord willing, and we're asking you to pray and fast for us next Wednesday. We will be going to North Africa And we will continue to challenge our people to follow God's spirit wherever he leads. I hope that you are challenged by this passage. I know that I am challenged. I know that it is difficult. And yet the Lord is advancing the gospel message to the ends of the earth. Will we join him in that? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your truth. We thank you that you save us, not because of our works, but because of your spirit. And what Christ did upon the cross, Father, that we can place our faith and trust in him for salvation. Father, you grant us the ability to be saved by opening our hearts. And Father, if there is any person in this room this morning that you are opening their heart to hear the word of God, to respond to the message of salvation through Jesus Christ alone, we pray that they would respond. Father, there are some in this room, Father, who will go to the ends of the earth, that they will respond to the Macedonian call, that they would cross over other people groups, other cultures, to share this gospel to a people who have never heard. Father, we pray that you would raise up many who would do that from our church as you already have throughout the years. We have many that are on the mission field all over the world. And Father, we thank you that we can all be sent not only to Turkey or Greece, Macedonia, but we can be sent to our workplace, to our places in which you have called us to. Lord, lead us to people that you are preparing to hear the message of the gospel. Lord, help us to pray and ask you to build into the hearts, to prepare hearts that we would go and be led by your spirit. Lord, we thank you for the many people in this room who have been faithful for a number of years. We pray for continuance of strength and energy, endurance, continuing to faithfully follow you, continuing to faithfully share your gospel. Lord, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you respond in worship?